Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Shed Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jared. Down here, we have the one and only South Jersey Slasher. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Man, I am exhausted from work, but I am good I know, to go. You've been, you've been riding all over the East Coast up in New York, right? Yes, sir. And I finally yeah. got that fly. Touchdown! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had uh, I went from Brooklyn to Corning, New York, to Rochester, New York, all the way back down here in two days. Wow. Yeah, that was, uh, there's another fly. I am not happy right now. What do you got, like, dead bodies in your crawl space? I don't have a crawl space, or I probably would. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so, what have you watched? Um, well, I watched, I revisited The Burning last night, since we're talking about Cropsy, and I'm trying to think if I watched anything else, um... I'm drawing a blank right now, but Dave Brown messaged me, and there is a movie he discovered on Tubi. I and it has Joe Estevez, who is Martin Sheen's younger brother. Um, it's a newer movie, and it is called um, <laughs> "You'll Get You Reed's Point" about the Jersey Devil. <laughs> ah. I guess they couldn't get the the name of lead, so let's I don't just know why you can't. <laughs> It looked pretty bad from the trailer, but I might give it a watch. You know you're going to watch it. Have you watched the Funhouse Massacre yet? <sighs> I keep like... God, I hate like, you. I, I start to watch it, and then I fall asleep. Like, And I do it like right when I'm like tired. And I know there was a movie that I was watching, and I don't remember what it was. And it was right before Funhouse Massacre. But yeah, I got... Okay, so I got a little bit farther. So now we're introduced to the other actors, and that's where I fell asleep. Coffee. Make friends. Speaking of coffee, I'm upset because um, I have a friend on Instagram who worked at the Wawa right around the corner from my old house in Jersey. And on Monday, she posted pumpkin spices here. You know, so I was running for late for work today and I was craving and like an iced coffee. The freaking ghetto Wawa up by my office doesn't have pumpkin spice. Nah, it Very takes upset. a while for it to fully cement out there. Yeah, the the PA Wawa's suck in comparison to the Jersey Wawa's. Oh, I was hoping Terry was bringing me home a treat tonight, but they didn't get it in yet. Dunkin' Donuts uh, released uh, spiked coffee. What's that? It's iced coffee with alcohol in it. What? Yes. Really? From Dunkin'. I cannot oh, nice. wait. Oh, okay. I'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, how about you? Have you watched anything? I finished The Wire fantastic show anyone that never caught it back in the day oh such a good show uh we watched the first season of true detective which kind of matches the horror shed podcast isn't that a great season great season the second yeah. one i'm having a little harder time getting into that's the one with colin farrell yeah. right yeah the third one it was okay but i'm waiting for the fourth one because jody foster is going to be in it eh, she's a one pony <laughs> horse yeah whatever yeah eh. Like, she was okay in that movie. But uh, what else? Um, started watching Boardwalk Empire while I was on the road. Uh, I love that show. I've seen it like four times. I love it. Such a such a great show. It is. Um, horror, horror. I did watch, when I was on the road last week, the uh, Stranger Things season four again. Oh, I got, I got a funny Stranger Things story for you. So, it was on TMZ. And... Uh, <laughs> So, side story, uh, 
my wife works at a bank and when we were in Jersey, every once in a while she gets people who've been scammed, right? Yeah. And the scam was um this woman thought she was talking to Gerard Butler and thought they were in a relationship and she gave him like thousands of dollars. Well, if you go to the TMZ uh Facebook, a woman thought she was talking to the actor I uh Don Cray, whatever. He was the one with the long hair. Um, he died, like I guess, in season four, maybe. Um, he was a life. He was like the lifeguard. Oh, yeah, uh, Billy. Billy. Okay, he, he died in season three. Yeah. She, okay, she thought she was talking to him, and this person even convinced her to divorce her husband, and she gave him ten thousand dollars. <laughs> People are so stupid. Yeah. Where's my yeah. fake Facebook account? I'm gonna start. To, I need to work on a British <laughs> accent. So season four, that was the most recent season, right? Yeah, the best season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, it was really good the second time around. Um, was it? I, I loved it even more. The soundtrack, fucking all the kids getting older. I can't wait till season five. I can't wait to see what they do. Right. 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 Yeah, uh, well, by that time, they're, I mean, um, Lucas was at a convention over the weekend. It doodles like he's graduated college already. <laughs> he's going to, I mean, they're going to have to do a serious time jump. I mean, they already were because how old they are. Yeah. It's well, they still had him in high school for last one. Yeah, but even still, Lucas looked like he was getting ready to go play college ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, I did go to the Blairstown Diner this past weekend, and um, I did a video to promote the the event at the diner on the 13th, and I actually had something that was not on the breakfast menu. I had a fish fillet sandwich, and when they gave it to me, I'm like, what the hell, did you uh, fish a whale shark? The thing was huge. It was like this big. You know, it was really good. It came with french fries, coleslaw, Um recommend it they have wagyu burgers and this asshole's eating a fish fillet i wasn't in the mood for a burger i was in the mood for something different i don't know how Um, you're not in the mood for a burger but okay (laughs) uh so i was there for a while met up with uh, our friend dave brown and uh we then went over to the ice cream parlor and uh they've the inside is open a little bit more so it's kind of cute how they have it set up uh, so they still have the parlor on the one side, the ice cream parlor, and then on the inside there there are um, there's a few sitting areas for it, but they're also selling local stuff. So um, they have woodwork like uh, uh, like frames, and in the frames is there's a local um, photographer who does wildlife photos. I actually follow him on Instagram. He takes really good photographs and he you know he's the one that puts the photos in there and then they also have like the area for friday 13th merch made by local artists um and then they're also selling electric bites and i'm like oh you should rent them so people want to buzz around town filming locations she's they're like we thought about that but the insurance is ridiculous mm. so but the one bike they have can go like 60 miles before you need to recharge it so it's pretty cool but i had their ice cream oh uh, man was it good i had the uh salted caramel oh was that good uh but they she's not really good with instagram because so i said have you watched 
the Friday 13th video because we got almost 7,000 views. She's like, no, we haven't. I said, well, I tagged you in it. So they had it playing. Uh, they have a TV in the, the one room there, the bigger room. So they're going, they, they had it playing when I was there. So they're actually doing an event on the 13th as well at night. You can, um, it's free to the public. They're going to be playing Friday the 13th. So come out to the lawn, bring, you know, a chair or a blanket, get some ice cream and watch Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Good so, to hear. Uh, good to hear. A lot of events happening. Yeah. And, uh, Speaking of other events, I got my prop axe for Ghost Jason for Night of Terror that came in. And I was talking with James Ingram of J3 Costumes, and he's been giving me updates on my two new costumes. Jason Goes to Hell. Man, does it look good. Can't wait. And I told him we got to get him on the show in the upcoming weeks. And he, he's like, whenever you want me, let me know. Yeah, definitely. We got to do that. Yeah. All right. Anything else on your end? Um just waiting for fucking certain haunts to release your schedule but other than that i'm golden haven't really how many haunts are you waiting for just two for that list okay i'm not even heading there this year but i want to do that preview show on wednesdays so i kind of want to start recording that now so i could just be done with it but you know speaking of that i saw the waldorf shared your post a couple of days ago or a week ago what post i don't know. Um, they shared something of yours like a week or two ago. Hmm. Yeah, I had to go to the page. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Was yeah. it like a schedule or something? No, it was a video that you had shared. I don't know if it was. I don't. I, offhand, I forget what. I can look hmm. it up, but offhand, I forget what it was. But it was a video that you had shared. Well, check that out while one of these videos are playing. Yeah. All right, though. Thank you, Waldorf. Yeah, I won't be going back there this season, but probably next. Okay. I, I so. want we're we're aiming more south, like Maryland area. Yeah, definitely. So we wanted to get hit at least sixty percent new, and that's kind of okay. looking good. And I really want to go to Six Flags, but I don't want to fucking have to go for the day pass and then the haunted. Like it's seventy five dollars. It yeah. Oh, that's dumb. And I know what amusement parks haunts are, but they're open the weekend we have an opening like there's a couple we can hit but we've been there so Mm. i kind of want something new in that fifth and september 15th through the 18th weekend they're open they have a conjuring house they have a saw house Mm. but i don't want to go to fucking dorney i mean it's on the dorney it's on dorney it's right around the corner from me i'm not going to dorney's (laughs) next year we're gonna get season passes the Dorney for that water park. I'm done with this heat. <laughs> well, is that would that be the closest to you? Though? No, I mean, but it's close to you, so we can fucking get shit going on. Yeah, I think. Uh, gosh, it was very cheap for, and I can put it under my name. That way, you can get the PA resident. There you go. See, it's yeah. all working out. <laughs> See, Terry, we're gonna get Dorney Park passes next year, so you can sit in the lazy river all day. Yeah, there you go. That's right. what I would do. I, I don't do the slides. My I'll do certain slide. slides. I really like slides, but I'm definitely afraid of heights. And Dorney See, Park is the only one that works for me because they have the metal staircases. So I'm not moving in the wild, wind like fucking yeah. Wildwood. I just get nervous of the the curves on the slides because I feel like my ass is going to go over Nah, the they've weighted it for like... The, those things have been physically designed for like 600 pounds. So mm. you will be fine. If I haven't gone off a slide yet, 
You ain't going outside. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of fat assholes, let's get into Andre Rand. Like yes, that. Look yeah. at that transition. Look at look at that. All right. So we're going to talk. We're going to continue our Cropsy series and. Uh, he plays a significant role in tonight's story because Andre Rand, uh, while he wasn't a resident at Willowbrook, he was a janitor, but he probably also had some sort of mental illness. Uh, so Andre Rand, born Frank Rostam Rush. Rusan, March 11th, 1944, is an American convicted child kidnapper, sex offender, and suspected serial killer, currently serving two 25 years to life sentences in prison for deductions of two children. He is eligible for parole in 2037. I don't think he's going to make it that long. He is the subject of the 2009 documentary Cropsy, which states that he may have been the source of that urban legend. Now, uh, let's watch our first video. Down syndrome. Today, though, there is even more anxiety for the family of Jennifer Schweiger. The body of a young child was found buried in a fresh grave on Staten Island last night. It was a young girl. The question now, is it their daughter or another family's daughter who has been suffering the same tragedy? We have team coverage on the search now, beginning with John Slattery, who's live on Staten Island. John? Carol, the body found last night has not yet been positively identified. The medical examiner's office has said merely it is the body of a young girl. And the police are helping the medical examiner in his ex investigation. We've provided Dr. Gross with dental charts and fingerprints to try to determine the identity of the person. After that, then Dr. Gross is going to be conducting tests as to what the cause of death was. Police say they could know later today or tomorrow if the body is that of Jennifer Schweiger. One of the volunteers who helped in the search is a friend of Jennifer's parents. They're very, very upset. <laughs> we did not have any confirmation on the body yet, and we were just sitting and waiting. Among those volunteers who actually found the body were George Kramer, a retired fireman, and his wife Nancy, who'd searched the area before and decided to go back to a mound they had seen. There was like a soft mound of dirt there, and I just kind of felt sick to my stomach. I felt like she was there, and I told my husband, I said, she's there. And then we started uh, digging with sticks, and it was soft dirt. Now the body was found in that shallow grave about 8 o'clock last night. Channel 2's Mary Murphy was at the site all night long. Here is her report. It was a place they had checked before, turning up nothing. But when a retired fireman returned just before 8 p.m. last night, he dug into the mound of dirt he had noticed last Saturday near Building 27 and discovered flesh, then a hand and foot. Medical examiner Elliot Gross made the finding official at 2 a.m. We have a uh, body of short stature uh, that was covered with dirt and uh, is going to have to be examined tomorrow. As soon as the body was removed by ambulance at 3 a.m., the testing began to determine if this was indeed Jennifer Schweiger, the 12-year-old girl with Down syndrome who disappeared five weeks ago, last seen walking hand-in-hand -hand with a local drifter. Last week, police arrested 43-year-old Andre Rand, a convicted child sex offender, and charged him with kidnapping Jennifer. Now they want to know if Rand is connected to the disappearance of other Staten Island girls and whether any more bodies are buried on the old Willowbrook grounds. Uh, there may be. All right. 
All righty, so let's continue on and talk about Andre. If I can get my mouse to work here. Okay. All right, so Rand was born Frank Rostam Roussan on March 11th, 1944. According to his younger sister in the 2009 documentary Cropsy, neither she nor her brother were sexually or physically abused as children. His father died on March 27, 1958, when Rand was 14. His mother was institutionalized at Pilgrim Psychiatric Center in Brentwood, New York, where he and his sister would visit her as teenagers. Between 1966 and 1968, using the name Frank Bruchette, he worked as a custodian, orderly, and physical therapy aide at Willowbrook State School, later renamed the Staten Island Developmental Center. On May 5, 1969, Brand was arrested in the South Bronx for kidnapping and attempting to rape a nine-year-old girl whom he had enticed into his car and driven to a vacant lot. He removed his clothes and hers, but a passing police car interrupted the crime. Charged with attempted rape, Brand pleaded guilty to sexual abuse and was sentenced to four years. He served 16 months in prison, gaining parole in January 1972, and legally changing his name to Andre Rand, but logging three more arrests by the end of the decade for minor offenses, including burglary. In 1979, he was accused of raping a young woman and a 15-year-old girl, but neither pressed charges. In 1983, driving a school bus, Rand picked up a group of 11 children from a Staten Island YMCA, purchased a meal for them without the consent of any of their parents, and took them to Newark Liberty International Airport. None of the children were harmed in the encounter, but Rand was apprehended and served 10 months in jail for unlawful imprisonment. And in, so, the, in the movie Cropsy, they actually talked to a kid that was a part of that. Okay. Um, refresh my memory because I haven't finished watching it. It was um, the uh, the black guy. Okay. Towards the middle when he was like, man, when I was little, this guy did this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. Jesus. That's yeah. a setting for a movie all on its own. It is. You know? Yeah. Because I remember watching, a, I don't know if it was a made-for-TV movie or what, but two guys had kind of done a similar thing, but, like, took the school bus, and there was already, like, uh area like dug up and they drove it into like this hole and buried them buried the bus you know so it was like one of those cat and mouse we got to get to them before the air runs out type thing so that's pretty scary all right so we're getting to the alleged victims on july 7th 1972 five-year-old alice Pereira vanished from the area around the Tyson's Lane apartments in the 600 block of Tyson's Lane on Staten Island. Alice was playing in the building's lobby with her brother and disappeared around 3.30 p.m. after he briefly left her alone. After that, Alice might have done might have been seen in a park close to the apartment complex in the island's new drop neighborhood. She was not she had not been seen or heard from since at 8, 6, 15 p.m., her mother reported her missing. At the time of her disappearance, her parents were divorced. She lived with her mother, and her father lived in Manhattan. Authorities at first believed that Alice's father had taken her, but he was later cleared as a suspect. Rand is the prime suspect in Alice's case. He worked as a painter in Tyson's Lane Apartments at the time of Alice's disappearance. Audrey Lynn Nuremberg, 18, was last seen July 5, 1977, leaving her family's home in a 1200 block of Ryder Street in a car... Canarsie neighborhood of Brooklyn. The house was close to Flatlands Avenue, Kings Highway, and Flatbush Avenue. Nirenberg informed her mother that she would be returning immediately after going two blocks to get cigarettes, but she has never been heard from again. Nirenberg's 
Herbophrenic schizophrenia had caused her to spend a brief period of times in numerous New York City healthcare institutions between 1974 and 1977. She had been a patient at Hillside Medical Center in Queens, Gracie Square Hospital in Manhattan, and Kings County Hospital in Brooklyn. At the time of her disappearance, Nuremberg was an outpatient at Kingsborough Psychiatric Center in Brooklyn. She was not carrying any identification or medication. Uh, with her at the time, on July 4th, 1977, the day before she vanished, Nuremberg traveled with her family to Staten Island in the evening to see a movie at the former Jerry Lewis Theater on Forest Avenue. The theater was adjacent to a campsite that Rand had previously visited. There is suspicion that Nuremberg may have returned to the area on July 5th while feeling disoriented and may have crossed paths with Rand as a result of her mental illness, which occasionally calls her to repeat her actions. He has not been officially connected to Nuremberg's case. Ethel Louise Atwell, 42, was last seen October 24, 1978, at the Willowbrook State School, where she worked as a physical therapy assistant. At 6 a.m., she arrived parked behind Building 47 and locked her car. Before she could get from the parking lot into her building, two female employees inside the building heard a male voice outside say, come on, come on, and Atwell say, no, you'll beat me. Then she screamed. The employees called the police after hearing the scream. The parking lot was still dark, the streetlights were off, and it was difficult for them to see anything. Atwell's tan pocketbook, one earring, one black shoe, three black coat buttons, and part of her set of dentures were all discovered by responding authorities along the left side of her locked car. About 75 feet away in the woods, her keys were discovered. Atwell has never been seen or heard from again, despite a thorough search of the region. Shin Lee, 44, was a nurse who had gone missing earlier in 1978 from Willowbrook under similar circumstances to Atwell. She was reported missing on July 20th and was last seen walking home from Building 11 of the center towards her Seaview home close to midnight. She was found murdered by strangulation and buried in a shallow grave near a wooded area on facility grounds on August 6th, only two months prior to Ethel's disappearance. Atwell and Lee are considered victims of Rand. However, there is no concrete evidence linking Rand to either incident. Well, most likely he did it because he worked there. And it's just, you know, kind of funny. He's he always camped been... there when he was homeless. Yeah. That's where he stayed was. Yep. In the... Yep. Holly Ann Hughes, seven, was last seen July 15th, 1981 on Staten Island near Richmond Terrace and Park Avenue. Her mother sent her to the Port Richmond Deli two blocks away to purchase a bar of ivory soap, and she was last seen buying it around 9.30 p.m. She never returned home and has never been heard from again. A month after Holly's disappearance, her mother, Holly Cedarholm, received a phone call from a man who identified himself as Sal. Sal informed Cedarholm that he was imprisoning the child and asked that they meet so that Cedarholm could engage in sex acts for the camera in exchange for Holly's safe return. Cedarholm went with detectives to meet Sal at Penn Station in New York City, but he never showed up. She started. She stated that she never believed Sal really had Holly. By this time, she thought Holly was dead. In January 2002, authorities examined the yard of Rand's former Staten Island home on Vreeland Street, but they were unable to find any evidence pertaining to Holly's case. Shortly after Holly vanished, police questioned Rand and searched his car, but they did not prosecute him until 20 years later. Cedarholm identified Rand's voice as the same voice she heard during an extortion phone call. Witnesses claimed to have seen Rand's green Volkswagen circle the business where Holly vanished in 1981. 
Some claim they even saw Holly in Rand's car. He acknowledged playing hide-and-seek with Holly on the day she vanished and gave her money to buy soap because she was filthy, but he claims to have left her before she vanished. Authorities also determined that Rand's aunt lived in the St. Port Richmond apartment building where Holly's family resided in 1981. The defense team for Rand insisted that their client was innocent and that the people who said they saw Holly in his car were wrong or lying. His attorneys made an effort to cast doubt on the child's family. Prior to the disappearance, Holly had been the subject of a custody dispute between her parents and had been taken by both of them at one time or another, but her parents had been ruled out as suspects in her 1981 disappearance. Rand was convicted of kidnapping Holly in October 2004. Rand was never charged with the child's murder due to a lack of evidence. He was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He is also serving 25 years to life for the Schweiger kidnapping. The second sentence made it extremely unlikely that he would ever be freed. On August 14, 1987, 12 days after Rand was released from prison, 11-year-old Thais Jackson was last seen leaving the Mariner's Harbor Motel on Forest Avenue in Staten Island. She lived in the motel with her mother and three siblings, the family having moved there after the apartment was damaged by fire. The Jackson family intended to move to the southern United States at 1.30 p.m. while Thais' mother was asleep. Another resident of the hotel sent Thais out to purchase chicken wings from the Crown Supermarket in the 900 block of Richmond Avenue. Thais never returned to the hotel, and he has never been and has never been heard from again. Her mother woke up at 4.30 p.m. and discovering her daughter had been missing for, for more than three hours, immediately called police. Having both passed lie detector tests, Thais' mother and uncle were ruled out as suspects in her disappearance. Andre Rand had a campsite at the Baron Hirsch Cemetery less than half a mile from the Mariner's Harbor Motel, and Thais' mother said she had seen a man matching her descript his description in the motel's parking lot. Although Rand was interrogated, no charges were filed. All right. Um, Hank Gaforio, a 22-year-old native of Staten Island, was last seen at the spa lounge in the Port Richmond neighborhood at 4 a.m. on June 9, 1984. He had gone out drinking and first went to Mugs Away, but was declined service. After that, he went to the spa lounge and remained there until it closed. Before going missing, he was spotted at the diner with Andre Rand in the early morning hours. Gaforio vanished without a trace. At 7 p.m., he was reported missing. Gaforio was described as being slow and had intelligence quotient quotient in the 70s. Gaforio lived with his parents and three brothers in the 90 block of Heberton Avenue on the same block as Rand and just around the corner from Holly's residence. His body has never been found. And in the Cropsy documentary, he's actually in the background of one of the news reports for, I think it was for Jennifer Schweiger or for the previous victim. I forget how it was, the yeah. previous victim. So, just so many coincidences. like A lot of coincidences. This guy's yeah. lying around way too many disappearing people. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what's going on here? Why can't I move this? Give me one second. No, I don't know why it's doing that. All right. All right. So 12-year-old Jennifer Schweiger, born with Down syndrome, was reported missing on July 19th, 1987. Witnesses spotted Jennifer walking with Rand. Her body was found underground after a 35-day search. While combing the area around Willowbrook State School, a particular spot caught the eye of retired New York City firefighter George Kramer. He returned with the police. The entire body was unearthed from the shallow grave, and the remains were positively identified as those of Schweiger. Police searched the grounds for evidence and found one of Rand's makeshift campsites in proximity to Schreiger's grave. All right, so let's 
That's the second video. Police say they found the body about 100 feet from Andre Ron's old campsite. Residents report he had lived here on and off for many years. And one man told us that several weeks after Jennifer Schweiger was reported missing, he heard a child scream near Building 27 here on the Willowbrook grounds. We spotted it, the, 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 the girl with the, with the guy in the building. They had some kind of light. We saw the small shadow and, and somebody was somebody big. It was dark. And we screaming, who's there? And the and girls tried to scream and somebody called him out. Troncosa told us he reported his findings to the police, including the fact there were fresh soda cans and blankets at the site. Later, we asked Staten Island District Attorney William Murphy about reports his office had planted bugs in a church mission where Rand was staying before his arrest. And we understand that a bug picked up Mr. Ron saying, they're looking in the wrong place, they won't find her. No comment. Does that mean it's so? No comment. The search ended for the night at 3 a.m. to be resumed later. Police don't know what they'll find. At the Staten Island Developmental Center, I'm Mary Murphy, Channel 2 News. All right, so there's the news report from them finding uh, her body. Mm -hmm. So in 1988, Rand was charged with the kidnapping and first-degree murder of Schweiger. The Staten Island jury could not reach a verdict on the murder charge, but convicted Rand of the first-degree kidnapping charge. I don't get that. She's buried where he's sleeping. You but... still need physical evidence for murder. <sighs> I, I know. It. I know. I hate it. <laughs> he was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He would have been eligible for parole in, in 2008 if not convicted of a second kidnapping. According to the documentary Cropsey, some people along with detectives speculated that Rand may have been involved with Satanism and provided the children to be sacrificed. There were people who also thought that Rand was not alone in the commission of his crimes, and many believed he was passing the children around to his friends in the underground network of homeless and mentally disabled people living in the tunnel systems of the former Willowbrook State School. Officers and inmates at the prison where Rand is currently incarcerated testified regarding conversations in which he allegedly bragged about his pedophilic exploits. He reportedly confessed Holly's murder to an inmate and compared himself to the serial killer Ted Bundy. Volunteers continue to search the abandoned property twice a year for evidence related to Rand's other alleged victims, but nothing has been discovered. In 2004, Rand was again brought to trial, this time charged with the kidnapping of Holly Ann Hughes 23 years earlier. There was no statute of limitations in New York for first-degree kidnapping, which made this charge possible. A jury convicted Rand of the kidnapping in October 2004, and he was sentenced to another consecutive 25 years to life in prison. He will become eligible for parole in 2037 when he will be 93 years old. All of his alleged victims vanished from or were murdered in the Staten Island area, with the exception of Nuremberg. Their cases remain unsolved. So that's Andre Rand. Um, and before we get into the documentary Cropsy, um, there's that one photo where he's being led out of, I guess, the courthouse and he just has drool coming down his mouth. Like, that's just insane. And in the documentary, there's just like a video of him in the backseat of the police car, just like as if they put him on like a tranquilizer or something. I don't know what was going on. Did they have to sedate him or was that just how he was um creepy creepy dude we'll get more into that after video three was found last night all day the family of jennifer schweiger stayed in their home waiting for identification of a body in the words of a friend hoping their heartache will end we believe that it's over that we finally found her and we can give her a decent burial and put her family's mind to rest <laughs> 
All right, so, you know, that family got closure, but we're looking at, what, 12 to 13 others that didn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wants to compare himself to Ted Bundy. Are you out of your <laughs> fucking mind? Like, at least, everyone at least Ted ran. Bundy had looks. <laughs> not just that, but everyone ran attacked was mentally disabled. Yeah. Real hard to do that, big guy. Like, you're a yeah. fucking piece of shit. I hope you burn in fucking hell. And I know you killed the rest of them. Just tell me where oh, the yeah. fucking bodies are. Because yep. I guarantee yep. you they're still on the grounds. Exactly. And now the college owns it, so now you're never going to go be able to go look. I mean, no. it's, it's fucking sad, but I guarantee you they are in those grounds or other camping spots this motherfucker had. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Cropsy, um, now you can find this on Tubi, Amazon Prime. I think it's still on uh, YouTube, too. Oh, okay. I watched so it this- on Tubi. <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, I've watched it a couple of times, and I started watching it again, and then obviously I fall asleep. But um, the guy that wrote this, Joshua Zeman, he actually went on to write some uh, Hollywood feature-length movies. I was actually quite surprised when I looked at his IMDb. I don't remember offhand. I'm not. This was a fucking great documentary. It was filmed great. Even with shitty cameras, they still did a great job. Well, usually when they um, a documentarian only stays in that genre yeah you know, they yeah don't, yeah the, yeah the camera work i mean obviously you could tell they filmed it probably late 90s early 2000s yeah. and took them some time to put it together but yeah it's a 2009 american documentary film written and directed by joshua zeman and barbara brancasio the film initially begins as an examination of propsy a boogeyman like figure from new york city urban legend before Segwaying into the story of Andre Rand, a convicted child kidnapper from Staten Island, whose known or suspected crimes in the 1970s and 80s may have inspired or been blamed on Cropsy. In 2009, Cropsy premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival, and critical reception has been overwhelmingly positive. Zeman and Brancasio's objective was to bring the distinct elements into one overarching narrative the oral tradition of urban legends the mystery of several missing children from the region the courtroom drama the search for the roots of staten island's obsession with the case and the community needs for catharsis while filming began zeman and brancasio sent andre ran a letter ran was serving a 25-year sentence for the 1988 kidnapping of jennifer schweiger and was facing charges in 2004 for the kidnapping of holly ann hughes who disappeared in 1979 ran and worked at, at the willowbrook state school on staten island and occasionally lived in campsites near the facility after not receiving a response for approximately a month they decided to visit ran directly at Rikers island on the day they were going to Rikers, they received the reply. After a series of letter exchanges, Rand agreed to an interview. However, by the time the filmmakers arrived at the prison, Rand had changed his mind and declined to be interviewed. The film also features extensive archival news footage and interviews with families or missing children who some believe Rand kidnapped or killed. Police investigators into these crimes were who suspect Rand may have had accomplices and Rand's defense attorneys who dispute the accuracy of allegations against their client. Andre Rand's court case on 2004 did not start until four years after his indictment, which was one of the longest pretrial motions in New York state history. The culmination of the film alludes to indicting Rand, which becomes controversial. So. All right. I cut it off. Man. No, you're okay. Good. Okay. So. All right, so they're saying there's three ways this could have gone. Rand worked alone. 
Mm-hmm. Rand was a uh, Satanist. And Rand gave all the kids to urban dwellers and campers under Willowbrook. Yeah. I'm calling the last two bullshit. Yeah. 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 Because, because... every he was spotted at so many different spots. So, A, working alone. Was he a Satanist? Maybe. I mean, it was the 60s, 70s. That was big, especially in New yeah. York. The son yeah. of fucking Sam blamed it on a Satanist. Yep. So, I mean, hey, I know there's Satanists in the area, but really, how many people have Satanists killed? Not a lot. No, I mean... Like, you have you, the cults, but this wasn't cults. Yeah. This was Satanist. Right, right. And there's still no proof of the Satanist in fucking Staten Island, so... Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, great documentary, and they actually... I know the uh the the one writer he actually both of them actually hosted a show it only came out for one season I found it on Hulu maybe it was called Urban Legends mm. and each is like a, it's like a 45 minute you know um episode so I'll have to send you the 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 link to it maybe you can find it somewhere yeah so, um yeah. I mean Urban Legends a lot of times start from truth and here was a little truth mm-hmm. Yeah, a yeah. bunch of kids did go missing around Willowbrook, and the even in the documentary, he says him and that girl, I believe they were dating at the time, mm-hmm. said, you know, our parents would use crop seed to threaten us, so we would yeah. stay away from that area and that park. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it probably saved them too, because who knows? Yeah, you know? it probably did. I mean, I think he was locked up by the time they were playing in the Cropsey yeah. area. But yeah, yeah. who the fuck knows but who else took it over? It was like just like when they were the footage of them going in like the grounds and seeing the um, the kitchen trays. Yeah, you know, just yeah. on the ground. I like stuff like that, like just like the artifacts of the condemned building. Just that's to me that's haunting. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's it was cool watching that for that reason. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then she started getting scared to go in the buildings when the guy mentioned Satanist. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you need a little drama. Yeah. <laughs> so to talk about the Satanists, they had to go to the Christians. I'm like, oh, here's a fucking bigger shitstorm. Imagine if um the Warrens went to that hospital. Oh, demons. demons. We got demons here. Fucking demons everywhere. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah, you know what? While we're on this. Let's see if we can't spot what buildings are still standing. Um, it was the Staten Island College took over, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? It's Willowbrook Park. Oh, ooh, Staten Island. Yep, there it is. Willowbrook Park. The park's huge. Is it? Yeah. Archery range. There's a carousel. Okay. Alright, so... Is there layers? It's hard to tell because they have... It's a big fucking landmass. The name of the... um... Urban Legend series was called Killer Legends. I think I saw that. Okay. 
I believe I saw that. So, Staten Island Developmental Disabilities Council is still there. Okay. So, I think this is the old buildings that the campus took over. And if I'm right, there's five buildings left. It's hard to tell. Maybe I'll do Google Earth for the next one and take some pictures. Yeah, the uh, the host of the writer of the narrator of the documentary also was a director of the Netflix. I think it was Netflix, The Sons of Sam. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it was a long one, but it was a good one. Yeah, because it goes into like him. Then I think the second episode was about the murders. Then the third episode was all about the crazy. There was three people involved. Satanists were involved. Uh, the tunnels the son of Sam were involved. Like three yeah. is when he went off the crazy crazy train. So there is a whole road that goes all the way around the College of Staten Island. It okay. might be worth a trip. Okay. I'll Google Earth it one day and see how many of the old buildings are left that we can actually get like near. Sounds good. But yeah, this is a big part of Staten Island. I mean, it's like 10% of Staten Island. Wow. I mean, there's bigger parks in Staten Island, but this is one of the bigger ones. Yeah, so if you guys are ever in the Staten Island Park, check it out. I mean, they probably still have that uh, historic mile that Parago mile marker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, so this episode is coming out the 28th. 28th. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope you guys loved our stars that we had. So enjoy that one. <laughs> We're like, uh, da, da. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I hope, you know, we probably had a good episode the episode before. We haven't recorded it yet. That's tomorrow night. So we're yep. doing things a little out of order. A little out of order, guys, but get used to that because in the next two months, shit's going to get out of order. And then uh, we're going to finish the Cropsey series with the review of the burning. Yes. So, and while I know we had the stars on, you know, on the, on of the two of the actresses, you know, it is an early eighties movie. It is a slow burn, but it's a cult classic. It is. So, I've, I've yeah. found a lot of art about it and everything. And it, you know, I didn't hate the movie. No, you know, I love the soundtrack to it. It's had a nice soundtrack. Yeah, not bad. Uh, and I'm surprised it never got like, any type of sequel yeah but I, you know what was my best scene from that and we'll go into it when we review the movie it's just the different angles they took of him burning at the end yeah like they had a low angle and then they were up at top of the can and you just watch the, crops the only thing i didn't like about the ending why wasn't it at the previous camp where he caught fire initially because it was like across the lake yeah, he said yeah. and it was at a uh coal mine <laughs> yeah that was a little different yeah yeah and then also a cool thing too and we'll discuss this in our interview the two ladies that we're talking to they're from north jersey so they might know of the cropsey legend yeah maybe yeah because they're on the new york side of north jersey so like they're closer to new york than like say if you lived in blairstown all right well jared another fantastic episode Make sure you guys like, subscribe, hit the little button on. And tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. I would like to get 
I know this is asking a lot, but let's say 400 <laughs> subscribers in total by the end of the summer. End of summer. Yeah. That's so my... end, of sem- end of summer <laughs> is September 22nd. Oh, okay. Well, end of August then. <laughs> or do you think September 22nd? Yeah, we got like 15 days until fucking September. Well, I'm wearing my horror, um, or horror shed podcast shirt to the uh convention this weekend. Oh, so cool. Who knows? Oh, you are going this weekend? Yeah, I told you that, didn't I? In I Edison? Remember. Yeah. You don't listen to me. Oh, my God. You see what I fucking deal with, people? <laughs> see what I deal with? This, this fucking got, guy. Yeah. You yeah, seeing so, anyone? Right. Are you meeting anyone? What do you do? I actually, yeah, uh, I'm not going in cosplay. I guess it's summer and too. Yeah, today fuck that. I'm meeting uh, Tiffany Helm and Shavar Ross from Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. Part five. Maybe I'll do the robot and we'll get it on. You haven't you haven't him sign anything? Uh just the eight by tens. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right, Shavar Ross. Yeah, they're doing a big uh, fright night on that one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah they're gonna have. Um, the the three kids. Well, they're not kids anymore. Chris Sarandon, the his body, his vampire bodyguard, and then the mom of the one actor who actually was also in Jaws. Yes, she yeah, she was the one that was like the painter and said, "Shark, there's a shark in the pond or lagoon." <laughs> so shark in the lagoon. I love that yeah. fucking movie. Um, yeah, and Monster Mania is doing another Suns thing. Yeah, and you know it's cool. Um, yeah, there'll be. I mean, the, it's going to be in Maryland. Yeah. So, but Stacy Lee, who has also helped us get the actresses, she represents two of the three. I don't know if she represents Tommy Flanagan, but she's their booking agent for Mark John Boone and uh, Kim Coates. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they announced Chibs first. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm sure the uh, Charlie's coming. Wouldn't that be great for a group photo op, though? Yeah, it would be because they. And then I think their work. Who'd they announce? It was Chibs. Chibs, then uh, Kim Coates. Yeah. Tigger Tig, and then um, Mark Boone. I forget his character's name. He's the big guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, The fat Elvis. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Bobby, it was Bobby. Bobby, okay, yeah, that'd be cool if they got Charlie Hunnam in there. I'm sure yeah. they will. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a nice. Uh, and then Terry's gonna be like, "Oh, Jared." <laughs> <laughs> I said her chips. She was like, "Ooh," I'm like, "Yeah." Huh? He'd Guess be a cool person to me. I just want to talk to him and hear his Irish accent. Yeah. Well, if yeah. I when I move to Ireland, you can talk to me when I pick up my Irish accent. <laughs> All right, guys, but we've gone on long enough. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for finding us. Make sure you like, subscribe, tell your mom, tell her dad, tell everybody. We'll see you next Monday. Halloween Hunts 365 Productions.